Good morning, everyone. Get myself together here. So happy to be here at uh, the Edgewater site. Um, always enjoy seeing some of the folks that are in my queer men small group. Uh, seeing some of the guys that uh, I saw at our men's retreat uh, last month. And excited to kind of continue our sermon series on vital signs. Uh, I went to the doctor. I have this re uh, kind of rare bone condition that's degenerative. And so um, I have a lot of pain and there's some mobility issues that I'm having. But every time I go to the doctor, they're trying to figure out um, how to treat me. They take my pulse, they take my weight, uh, and all of these other things. Kind of, I think, to look at my medication and to make sure that any new medications that they give me um, are going to work and that my body is still responding um, the way that it should. Uh, and these are called vital signs that they take every time. And so here at Urban Village, we're trying to take a look at our own vital signs. Um, what are the signs of a healthy community? Um, looking at our ministries, looking at other things that we're doing, and are they working well? How should we adjust them? And so we read our, our, uh, our mission statement of creating Jesus-loving, inclusive communities that ignite the city. And I'm going to start at the end. So we're ending this today. And um, <clears throat> just excited because we're going to talk a little bit about social justice, something that's close to me and to my heart. So let's pray. God, um, we thank you today for uh, this beautiful day and ask that your word and your, and your spirit would be here with us today. Speak to us in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, this last weekend, as many of you know, I am working on planting a Latino version of, L of UVC in Hermosa. So I moved in into the neighborhood in May. And what I've been doing over the last few months is kind of working with community members. Um, and I partnered with Palenque LSNA, uh, Logan Square Neighborhood Association. They have a lot of different programs. I've already been working with them over the last few years on immigration. Um, but uh, I started going to the different schools that they work on and doing classes in Spanish around how to use pronouns. Uh, Latinos, we're not very good with that. And, um, and, but these moms have said, we want to learn how to use pronouns. And so at this high school, Schur's High School in our neighborhood, uh, they have a lounge for students. And over the last few months, they said, we want to make sure that this space is welcoming for our students that are LGBTQ. And so we've been working on what to do to no, make, let them know that students, when they walk in, that their language, the language that the parents are using, that, this, that there's words on the wall, that there's uh, colors, that let them know that they're safe here, that they can talk to someone here that maybe they can't at home. And so I've been working with them and learning from them and just being excited about the work that they're doing there at Shirts High School. But last week, there was a shooting across the street at the Michoacan ice cream shop, and they shot four students. And that day, they 
sent me an email. They're like, what can we do? Um, I, I have to be honest. I didn't really have any words. I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to speak to this? Another shooting? And this time so close to, my, to me, so close to my house, parents that I know. Um, and I said, I don't know. What do you guys want to do? They said, how we, need to, we need to bring some hope into the school tomorrow morning. Um, how about if we all buy donuts? How about if we get some flowers? I'm like, I'm for that. Yeah, let's do that. Get some flowers. Let's get some donuts. And let's pass them out to the students and the teachers as they come in in the morning. Y'all, when I say there was donuts, there was donuts. They got donuts and donuts. We all brought donuts. Everyone bought a bucket of flowers. And we started handing them out. The teachers, the Chicago Teachers Union saw their Facebook posts. <coughs> One of the moms, they called ABC, NBC, CBS, Univision, and Fox News to come and watch what the parents were doing. They invited community members. They knocked on the doors in the evening. They had them come, all of us handing out donuts, all of us giving out flowers. I didn't have to say anything. They did the work. They encouraged me, and they gave hope to the students that walked in. And when I walked into the school, everything looked different. And then when it was time to, to, to talk to, the, to the, news, the news crews, I had a message of hope for them, that no matter what comes against our neighborhood, no matter if we think we're losing, we're going to be there, and we're going to support our teachers. We're going to support our students. And so I got home, and I told my partner, I said, gosh, you know what? I felt like I did a really good job today. And sometimes, most of the time, I don't think I'm doing a really good job when I do something. But there, I felt like everything started coming together. Everything clicked together. And I was like, man, I did a good job. Have you ever had times like that? where everything lines up, and you're like, oh, you pop up a little bit. You're like, wow, I did that. I did a good job. Those are good. But then there's those other times, like I talked about last week, last month, Red Sea experiences, right, where things don't seem to line up for you, where you feel like you've lost a little bit of your passion, a little bit of that fire that you have, and nothing is flowing together. Everything is out of sync. Those, we have those types of days, and I'm sure you've had those types of days as well. But then there's a third type of day that you might have. Those are the times where we say something that's out of character of how we usually talk. And I'm talking to the parents. <laughs> Sometimes we say things to our kids that we're like, wow, did I just say that? Who am I? <laughs> I've done it many times. I still do it. Sometimes, and my kids are adults. But I say, where did that come from? How did I do that? Is that who I am? Is that how I want to be? I said I, wanted, I wasn't going to be that type of parent. But it's those times when these hurts, these old voices in our heads are speaking to us, ingrained patterns that we've had from our family, from our culture, those types of situations. Behind every one of those kind of scenarios, I think it's about questions, questions where we ask ourselves and wonder who we are and what is our life really about. 
And I think in the scripture that we're reading today, this is what's happening to Jesus. Jesus is asking, him the sa- asking himself the same questions. If we think um, throughout the work and the progress of his ministry, you, you see these times in Jesus' ministry when he's talking to the Seraphician woman, and he changes after that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, trying to figure it out and, and re- wrestling with things. And he wrestled with those two questions as well. Questions about who we are, what life is really about. And sometimes the answers are rhetorical. We don't really have to answer them, but really we need to live them out, right? And, sa- and the chances are that today, those questions, the way we answer them, are not the same way we answered them 30 years ago. Maybe they're not the same way we answered 10 years ago or even two years ago. They're different answers to these questions. But let's think about really what happened to Jesus up to this point. Jesus had been baptized. He hears these words come down from heaven saying, You are my son, my beloved. I am well pleased in you. And then right after that, it says that the Spirit leads him into the wilderness where he experiences hunger and he experiences temptation. He fasts and he's tempted. Those two experiences of hearing from God at his baptism and this wilderness experience to me are like two metaphors. Two metaphors for love and suffering. Love and wilderness. The two great teachers in all of our lives. These are the two things that have the power to get our attention. They make us a little bit more self-reflective. And they're also the times that changes our lives. We go from things and experiences from one day to another. And today's gospel, Jesus comes to Nazareth where, he, he, uh, where he's from. He grew up there. He goes to the synagogue where he worshiped as a kid. And uh, with people that he probably knew that were there. And he takes this scroll. He unrolls it goes to the, spar- the part where the prophet Isaiah says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But then he announces this, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I think what Jesus does here is an expression of his baptism and his time in the wilderness. Love and suffering have been doing their work inside of him. He's been paying attention and listening to the life that wants to uh, enter the world through him. And he's been discerning what matters most to him, what he values, what he wants to embody, and how he wants to live. It's as if Jesus says to them in this kind of inaugural speech, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. These are the values that energize me. These are the values that drive me. Today I'm giving myself to something larger, something bigger than myself and my own interests. But here's where I wonder. If Jesus says these words, is it just speaking to himself? Is he the only one anointed, or are you anointed? 
Am I anointed to do these things? What if it's our work? What if we're called to do the same work? In what ways then have love and suffering shaped who we are and revealed the life that wants to enter through us into the world? And so then I think about Urban Village, creating Jesus-loving, inclusive communities that ignite the city. What are the vital signs for that? We talked about Jesus-loving. Yeah, we can be a church and hear really great sermons, do great Bible studies. Maybe those are signs of a healthy community. We can be inclusive, use pronouns, put them on our, on our um, name, tents, name tags, um, change the language, put colors certain ways, have certain seating arrangements that say that we're inclusive. Those things are measurable. We can create community, having small groups, going out to eat together. Those are kind of measurable. But how do you measure fire? How do you igni measure igniting the city for Jesus? I don't think it's about any of the programs that we have here at church. I don't think it's about any of the signs. Yes, communion is great. But I think it's about us igniting the city and beyond is about us. People who have heard they are loved by God. People that heard those voices. You know what, Juan Pablo, you're accepted just as you are. And I told you that I'm fabulous. That God is proud of you. That she made you fabulous. Made you beautiful. Made you valuable. But then what suffering have you gone through? We hear today uh, uh, Darren's story. And what came through that suffering, through that notice that he got about his friend. And that turned something around in him. It takes moments like that that make us go into self-reflection. And sometimes that means that that good news isn't good news for everybody. It brings discomfort, discomfort for some people. I'm thinking about racism. I'm thinking about prejudice. I'm thinking about Black Lives Matter. I'm thinking about refugees, and I'm thinking about immigration. I'm thinking about economic systems that create and promote this inequality in, gen in income, like gentrification. I'm thinking about gun violence. I'm thinking about those people that go hungry at night and don't know uh, what they're going to eat the next day. I'm thinking about violence and discrimination against women. I'm thinking about our elections, and I'm thinking about the conflicts in the United Methodist Church when it comes to LGBTQ rights. How do we measure if we're on the side of the poor? How do we measure if we're on the side of the marginalized, the other? How do we measure if we're igniting the city? It's us. It's always been about us. And so I told you about these parents at Shur's but I'll tell you how that program started. In the 90s, you couldn't go into a school if you were a parent. You would leave your kids and pick them up at 2.30. You couldn't go inside the school. And so one day, this parent at, uh, Logan, in Logan Square didn't speak English, didn't go to high school herself. She wanted to go inside and see if maybe she can volunteer in her, class, in her daughter's classroom. And the person at the front desk said, no, you can't do that. 
Well, if you want to volunteer, you have to go all the way to CPS and their main offices, file, fill out a uh, uh, volunteer form, get your, all of these things, pay for this, go do that. She's like, there has to be an easier way. And so she started talking to other parents. And those parents talked to other parents, and those parents went to Logan Square Neighborhood Association and said, hey, we want to go inside the schools, and we want to help our teachers. We want to help our students. And they did that. <clears throat> I ran one of those schools at Brentano Math and Science Academy in Logan Square. We had parents that came in, and they taught. And then, guess what? The parents said, you know what? This building's open till 9 o'clock. Why is it empty? Why can't we do other stuff? We want to learn English. I said, you want to learn English? Let's get an ESL class. We started an English class. They wanted to uh, get their GEDs. We started a GED class. They wanted their, their kids to learn about arts because the arts program was closed. They started an arts program. And today, 75 schools in Illinois have the parent mentor program in their schools. It's a nationally recognized program and states are doing this as an example of involving the parents in the community and it took this short mexican woman to walk into the school one day to say hey can i you know and so i miss those days i miss days and sometimes we might miss those days those pre-pandemic days where our spaces were full and that's good and I think about that all the time as well as I go through all, the, all of our sites. But I think we have to think about today. What are we doing for those on the margins today? How do we measure if we're on the side of the poor? How do we measure if we're on the side of the marginalized? Or how do we measure if we're igniting the city? I think that it's us. Once we do this inner work, inside then we can begin to educate ourselves about a certain social justice issue that could be through a book discussion Talk, re, let's read a book together about this situation or let's research what's being done or what's not being done about this situation like that mother did back then what are the organizations that we can partner with to bring about change and make an impact in our communities, in our situations. And this cannot be done without you. I can't do a program for that. And Jesus doesn't ever reminisce about the past, but he doesn't even forecast the future, really. He comes to his people and he speaks about today and says that today is the day of fulfillment. Today, the Spirit of the Lord is here. Today is the day of anointing. Today is the day to bring good news to the poor and to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Today is the day to let the oppressed go free. And fulfillment doesn't end just right there. I think Jesus is talking about today. This is the day of fulfillment. This is a day, and I don't think that there's an exclusive list that is created. It's because it all comes from our own experiences, all of our own times. And so today, for me, is a day that we move forward uh, and open our doors to more people. Today is a day to forgive. Today is a day to welcome the migrant. Today is a day to feed the hungry. Today is the day to 
find reconciliation and peace in our neighborhoods. And so, in what ways are we fulfilling this in our lives today? How are we participating in this fulfillment? It's always in progress. It's who we're becoming as a church and what our lives and what this ministry is really all about. So let me ask you this. What's the thing that you're anointed to fulfill? Our vital signs. Just pay attention to those vital signs in our own lives. And let's get to work on the kingdom of God of proclaiming the good news. Amen.